Hey man, if we're gonna improve the show, I think we should also clean up the lab a little bit. Dude, good call. You want me to empty the buckets of your tears after each loss? Uh, why don't you start with the piles of papers on your desk? But there's just the one folder. Yeah, but you could get rid of it, you know, clear up some space. I mean, one folder isn't really crowding my desk. Yeah, yeah, okay. Dude, it's just that... Well, it's just that it's titled Creepy Ideas. Yes. Do you really have that many creepy ideas that you need an entire folder? Well, originally I had one of those flimsy paper folders with the Ninja Turtles on it, but it got so full of ideas, you know, I had to buy this brand new neoprene one with extra small pockets on the sides for my little ideas. Please stop making your characters creepy. Sorry, man, it's part of my brand. Creepy is on the rise in this moral economy. Besides, you don't see me messing with your control category vision board. All right, fair enough. We, we better get that show started. You want to kick off the theme song? Yeah, man, beer me that CD. New character lab, old school beat. Hit it. Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it. Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me? I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah. That was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Build a new character, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How deranged? That's not a category. Just... Keep going. Uh, I think we were here? A couple more categories we like to score. But I won't keep going on, I won't be a bore. Wow, Dan, that's awful nice of you. You usually list on and on until you turn blue. Basically, all that we're trying to say is if you like character building day after day, look no further than this here show. Your lab boys, the authors of Wombos. Wombos, Wombos, Combos. Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kind of drab. This ain't one, it's the Character Lab. And welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week, we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of undead content and scoring against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey guys, Garen here. Welcome back from our marathon vacation. I traveled down to my garage. I cleaned it. Then I backpacked upstairs to fix my shower door, met some cool toddlers, ate some great leftovers. What about you, Dan? You know, I actually went up on a, a retreat to Mount Rainier. We did nothing but meditate on the value of ranged combat in tabletop games for like two whole days. I think it really changed my perspective on it. Wow, really? Nope. Let's start the show. All right. This week, we celebrate the fact that our show has risen from the grave and we made some undead characters. It doesn't matter how they got that way or why they're still able to walk around. It only matters how they shape up in the lab. Let me introduce you to Joel Esplanade. You see, Joel was a family man. That's right, he was. That was back when Joel was a bit meatier. 
Back then, he was a devoted husband, father, and craftsman in the Faerunian military town of Fort Morninglord, just east of Baldur's Gate on the Sword Coast. A man with a rather large family, Joel often toiled night and day to provide a rather modest but comfortable lifestyle. However, tragedy struck Joel's family just three short weeks after sending his eldest son off to a rather ritzy performing art school on the other side of Faerun. His wife, Esmeralda, fell quite ill. They visited physician after physician in Faerun, and no one seemed to have answers for them. Joel no longer desired to work. He only wanted to care for his wife until he could be assured that she would be okay. Her condition continued to deteriorate until one day she finally passed. In complete denial, Joel searched the darkest corners of the Sword Coast for answers of how he could bring her back to life, as he had heard rumblings of magic in Baldur's Gate. He prayed at numerous temples, spending many nights carrying her lifeless body from sanctuary to sanctuary, crying himself to sleep beside her. There were seemingly no answers. While at his most desperate, Joel stumbled into one of the temples of the god Hoar in a desolate town near the reaching woods, his wife Esmeralda's body still in tow. He prayed his usual prayer, which was more of a beg at this point, and a booming voice resonated in Joel's head. I can bring her back, the voice said. You must give some of your life to her, but this I can arrange. If you devote yourself to me, carry out my will, I can keep her alive and grant you the powers to keep others animated as well. In his utter desperation, Joel quickly agreed to this carefully crafted bargain. Almost immediately, Joel felt a shiver unlike something he had ever felt, followed by a draining sensation and a loss of consciousness. But when he awoke, he found his wife in skeletal form. Slouched over and moving somewhat, Joel went to pick her up to her feet and noticed his own figure too was now nothing more than bones. He went to speak to her, but he uttered out nothing more than guttural deep speech, which she did not seem to comprehend. Worse yet, Esmeralda had died of bone rot, a severely debilitating and irreversible illness in the Forgotten Realms with no known cure. Esmeralda was only animated as a skeleton for a few short hours before all of her bones crunched and cracked into dust. Joel not only lost the love of his life, but he had lost his own life. Unimaginably angry, Joel scorned Hoar in the very temple that he pled for his assistance. Hoar struck Joel down to a mere pile of bones and swore that if Joel were to ever disrespect him again, not only would he kill Joel outright, he would turn his children into skeletons as well for eternity. Unsightly and unable to speak with others, Joel quickly became isolated. And with this isolation came a curiosity to explore his powers begotten to him by the almighty Hoar. One night, at one of the only taverns that would serve him, a dirty little hole in the wall in Trialta Hills with a tiefling bartender who just happened to speak deep speech, a dwarf picked a fight with Joel, which Joel finished quite handily. Horrified by what he had done, Joel attempted to resuscitate the little man. All he could do, however, was raise his bones to an unintelligible servant that obeyed his every command. Hoar once again spoke to Joel at this very moment, saying, You are ready. Carry out my will and create my army. A scimitar materialized in Joel's hand at that moment, and from that time forward, he became the general of Hoar's skeletal militia. Joel is a level 10, awakened, undead pact of the bone warlock of the acolyte background. And in addition to the awakened undead supplement that both Garen and I used this week, I used a supplement by Daniel North entitled The Undead Warlord. It's a new warlock patron as well as a new boon and some spells in there, and it's available for pay what you want on DMs Guild, and it is a great supplement as I will display today. Fantastic, really in-depth, detailed backstory, Dan. 
You must have taken the time off to really focus on your storytelling. You've always been uh, deep in the kind of sad, dark, twisted stories, but this was a particularly good one. <laughs> I am bringing a young man named Daryl. He was a prince of the desert elves. His kingdom was under siege by an oncoming dark army. And Daryl had lived peacefully his entire life, but he was also very haughty and very bold, and he thought he could lead the army into glory, but he'd never been in combat before, and it did not go well. He was dispatched almost immediately. His people managed to drag his body back and entomb him in a pyramid, but when their city was overrun, the bodies were brought back to life to join the Dark Army. But you know what? Um, I think it would actually be a little bit better if, since my character is dead, I recited this in the form of an epitaph that would appear on a tombstone. So let me take it this way. Born to royal elves with a stick up his butt, Daryl wanted to lead his army like a real tough hut. Not good with a sword and poor with a mace, he took a couple of critical arrows to the face. So for a prince he was foolish and pretty scummy, and now he's a quite repentant mummy. So I bring you the Awakened Mummy from the Awakened Undead supplement by Walruck Publishing, and he is a level 10 ghost knight which I took from the Midgar's Heroes Handbook. You may know them as the Labby Award-winning supplement for our beer cleric. This is another good subclass. This is a fighter subclass. And he is of the noble background, of course, because he was a prince. And I think this is going to be a really fun fighter. Happy to be back for 2019, Dan. Absolutely, and a strong character, no doubt. I'm happy to see that Midgard Heroes Handbook makes its debut in 2019. Yeah, and I tell you, this guy is going to rock. In fact, the only thing about him that stinks is the smell of death coming off of him, which is a pretty unfortunate scent. But you know, Dan, a quite pleasant scent actually comes from our friends over at Cantrip Candles. They're the purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world world, fruity farmhouses, enchanted woods, or this week's spotlight, dungeon depths. Nothing says zombies and skeletons like the notes of dust, stone, and water. Mmm, mmm, stank and dank. But to be honest, you can find a scent for all your adventures in their sampler pack, which offers nine of their scents for a great low price. Once you decide you want to buy every one of those scents, we are happy to announce you now can, and the lab will help cover some of the costs. When you use the code LABRAT, L-A-B-R-A-T, at checkout, you will receive 10% off your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles, and if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Thank you, and Happy New Year, Cantrip Candles. I hope 2019 is good to you fine folks. Now, we're about to dive into our lab battle, but if you're new to the show, let me quickly explain. We have nine categories, we have prepared arguments for each one of those nine categories, and in each, we will state why our character deserves a score between negative two and positive two. Why negatives? Because some characters need to know that they're worse than zero. Now. Once per show, each of us will get the ability to force the other to roll for a score in which we're arguing for as a charisma save using the charisma score of our character. And then at the end, whoever has the most points wins. Cool? Cool. Now, Garen, feels weird not to have done this for a while, so I think I'm going to dive right into melee combat. Scratch that itch, bud. Um, sorry, what was that? Oh, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I forgot to mention, um, I have a special guest for my arguments. Joel himself is, is here kind of coaching me on his arguments. So you, you may hear some guttural rumbling in the background. Just uh, ignore that. No, 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 I mean, I mean, listen to it. I mean, listen to it. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. 
Uh, so for melee, I'm arguing a zero. <laughs> no, it's a zero, trust me. It, uh, he has a scimitar of speed. This was granted to him by Hoar. It gives him a plus two on all attack and damage rolls with this weapon, and he can make one attack per round as a bonus action with this as well, so he can get two attacks per round with this. Plus five to hit, 1d6 plus five. I think that's a fair zero and a pretty cool magic item. That is a solid zero. I can deal with that. See? Uh, yeah, Joel, you just have to trust him. Dan's done this before. All right, so what does your character have this week? You know, just as I introduced him with gravestone epitaphs, I think I'm going to take all the arguments down that path as well. So for melee, here lies a terror with the morning star. Well, at least his skills were a bit above par. Max 24 damage with two whammies and a camel bite just above the knee. Daryl is sporting that morning star. He also rides a camel, which has a bite. So two attacks, I'm arguing a plus one. Yeah, I think the camel sets you over the top. I'll give you a plus one. And we have a nice amicable start to our 2019 season. Oh, so smooth. Let's take it to our favorite category, Dan, and that is ranged. He had a longbow that he could draw, plunge an arrow into the monster's maw. 18 is enough to really pierce, but a mummy at 60 paces isn't fierce. So I'm arguing a zero. I guess you're worthy of a zero there. It's better than nothing. You get the two attacks. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't repeat what he just said about the ranged category because this is a family show, so uh, yeah, negative Yeah, Joel, we're done with that. Okay, yeah, that's fair. All right, but buddy, you got to learn how this works. Go ahead, magic. So for this category, I'm arguing a plus two. I have a spell that's out of this supplement by Daniel North that's called Corpse Bomb. It basically allows you to target a corpse. They erupt with necrotic energy in a 20-foot radius sphere centered on the creature or corpse. The sphere spreads around corners, each creature within the area must make a deck saving throw, and the creature takes 3d6 necrotic damage and 3d6 piercing damage on a failed saver, half as much on a successful one. That's 66 damage. Now, because I took the Suicide Squad Eldritch Invocation from that same supplement, whenever a skeleton I control is dropped to 0 HP, I can roll a d10, and on a rolled one, Joel can cast this spell as a reaction on the skeleton that was destroyed without expending a spell slot. So that thing drops to 0 hit points, and it immediately explodes, dealing out 66 damage, which I think is... <laughs> That's right, boom. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. I also have a spell, Devour the Dead, from that same supplement. It allows you to target an undead creature or corpse within range, and basically they fail a constitution saving throw. They take 60-10 force damage. If that drops them to zero hit points, they immediately die. And if a creature dies from the spell, you could target the corpse. The target turns to ash, and you regain a number of hit points equal to 1d10 plus your spellcasting modifier, which I think is a nice little healing benefit. Also, one of Joel's Eldritch Invocations is Bone Spear, which basically transforms his Eldritch Blast into a bone spear that is 5 feet wide, and it goes down a 90-foot long path. Whatever is in that 5-foot wide line and on that 90 feet path will be affected by the spell and they take 1d10 necrotic damage on a failed constitution save. I think that's a really fun take on the Eldritch Blast cantrip. And finally, I'll expound upon this a little bit later in the tankiness category, but Joel can summon a lot of skeletons to become his boys in battle, up to eight. I can also choose to summon a skeleton that is a mage. So you take 1d4 plus your proficiency bonus in necrotic damage, and you roll that d4 on the mage chart. It can either know the Firebolt cantrip, Ray of Frost cantrip, Acid Splash cantrip, or Shocking Grasp. So you have magical skeletons in your army at your disposal. 
I think you're right. I think you're right, Joel. I think this is a plus two. Oh, okay. I am reeling from all that information. That is a ton of damage, and I have no doubt that this is a plus two, but I think 2019 is going to be a bad year for you, and I want the rolls to be in my favor, so I'm pushing the roll this early because I think that roll is going to show what this year is going to shape up for you, and you're going to get a plus one in this category. All right, this is going to be a DC 17, and I have a plus three for charisma. Okay, and I got a 12, so he's not going to hit it. We are going to take a plus one. That's how the show works, Joel. That's right, That's Joel. You failed the roll. Deal with it. How does the real deal Holyfield take it into magic damage? You know, that's funny that you used that, because let me tell you this epitaph. His punches were necrotic and blocked your heal, and his one magic spell you would surely feel. Inflict wounds dishes out that sweet 3d10. Then he'd wait till tomorrow and do it again. Dereal has mummy rot, which... As I said, all of his punches do necrotic damage instead of bludgeoning damage, and they block healing. Then he has inflict wounds that he can cast at will once per day. So I'm arguing a zero. It's not very impressive, especially compared to yours. Yes, you are worthy of a zero. Still some pretty cool stuff going on there. You're you're being very kind to me. I think I'm being very honest with my numbers here. But this is where this episode is really going to start picking up for me. So strap in, buddy. Because when I take it to the control category, I am arguing a plus two because Dereal is so terrifying. He could rush in on his camel and just take one glance, and with a failed wisdom save, you filled your pants. Maybe he squinted really hard or his eyebrows were hairy, but somehow that made him twice as scary. So Dereal has two features here, Dreadful Glare, which is just looking at a guy and they got to pass their wisdom save, and then Frightful Charge which is part of the Ghost Knight, where, as I mentioned, he's riding a camel. Being a mounted combatant is part of the Ghost Knight. As Pale Rider, you get Fine Steed at third level. And then at seventh level, you have access to a ghostly warhorse if you want. And your mount can make a bonus action to make the bite attack. But the Frightful Charge, if I move 20 feet and make an attack, target must have a wisdom save or they become frightened until the start of my next turn. So I'm a pretty scary dude. I, I will agree. If I saw a mummy charging at me on a camel full speed, I, I would fill in my pants as well. So you give me that plus two? Oh, no. You're going to roll for that plus two. All right. Arguably generous that you even let me consider the plus two, but thank you. I have got a plus three. I got 16 charisma. I rolled a 15, which is going to get me up to that 18. Boom. Okay. Getting that plus two. Plus two is granted, my friend. Moving into control, we're arguing a plus one. Is that good enough for you? Uh, Well, see, we have something called Them Bones. It's a feature of the skeleton awakened undead. It basically allows you to rearrange the bones in your body as a bonus action, and it's only when you have both hands free, but basically you can do one of these three things. You can either do a bone club attack, where basically you remove one of your arms and use it as a as a weapon. Deals out 1d6 bludgeoning damage Respect. on a hit. It also has the finesse property. Of <laughs> course it does. I mean, it's so smooth. <laughs> because it's your own arm. Also, you could use it as a bone to pick. Basically, you can remove your hand, hold it in your other hand, and use it as thieves' tools. Wow. That's or, clever. Or, my favorite, the bone xylophone. You remove two of your ribs, you use them as mallets, and you can play the xylophone as a musical instrument on the rest of the ribs. Get out of town. Love it. So great. And then I also took the Eldritch Invocation Mass Curse. So when you cast a spell with the curse tag, you can choose to have it affect a number of creatures equal to your charisma modifier within a five-foot radius of your target. And you can't do that again until you finish a short rest. But that would allow me to target an additional three characters within five feet of the target, which is great. Ooh. 
Ow! Hey, what was that? Oh, yeah, that, sorry about that. Uh, that was Joel's roaming hand. See, roaming hand is a feat that I took that is offered exclusively for skeletons in the Awakened Undead supplement, and it allows for Joel to create a telepathic link with his hand, which he's currently using right now, and receive auditory and visual information from it. He's telling me that when he slapped you in the face, you have a really big white head right on the tip of your nose. That hand has a move speed of 30 feet, and it has the same properties as Spider Climb. Now, while this hand has 20 HP and a strength of 5, it can only take the dodge, help, or disengage, and dash actions, and it retains animation for up to 1,000 feet from Joel. But I can tell you, that is one handy little hand. That is the end of our argument for a plus one. You know, I want to knock you down a point because... This is a radio medium, and having a pimple on my nose should be a free pass. And he pointed it out to everybody listening. But I can't argue oh, with that plus one. Oh, no, you get a minus one penalty because you should have used Stridex. That's right, folks. This episode is brought to you by Stridex, our new sponsor in 2019. <laughs> Stridex still a company? I think Stridex still exists. All right, Stridex, hit us up because I know you're listening. All right, so, yeah, you get your plus one on that. That's from the skeleton race, all of those cool things like the xylophone, right? Because that was a lot of fun. Okay, so how tanky is your warlock skeleton? I'm predicting you're going to argue a plus one. I don't know why, I just think you are. What are you saying? That's right, folks. This category is the tankiness category. It's how well he can take a hit or maybe any healing spells he has. And like your character, Joel does not age and is immune to disease. He also has 100 HP and an AC of 16. Ooh. He has a racial trait called Bone Pile, which when you're reduced to zero hit points but not killed outright, he can drop to one hit point instead. If you do, you reduce yourself to a pile of bones, render yourself prone, and are considered to be under a similar effect to the Feign Death spell. Now, while the subject is in this condition, you're unable to move or take actions other than using an action to end this effect. Now... Once you use this trait, you can't do it again until you finish a long rest. Though you're under the feigned death effect, I still think this is tanky because everybody's going to think because you're a pile of bones, you're already dead, but you actually have one HP. So you, you're, you're holding out and you're not drawing attention to yourself, to anybody that's like, I'm going to finish this off. I have something called Call of Bones. Eight times per long rest, I can control eight skeletons at once. Basically, it's the animate dead spell. Each has an AC of 13 and 13 HP does not require recasting of the animate dead spell to main control of all eight of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fantastic, and it's and it makes me the general of the army. Pact of the Bone paired with Reinforced Bones Invocation. It grants Joel a bone shield. Show the listeners this bone shield. He can't. Yes. We are on the radio. Oh, yeah. Sorry, folks. 2019, we were supposed to have a, a video component with this, but uh, looks like that fell through. It grants him a plus three to his AC. Every time he casts a necromancy spell of a first level or higher, a bone ward with 27 HP appears. He has to stay within 10 feet of it in order for it to stay active, and it regains 1d6 HP every time Joel casts a first level or higher necromancy spell, or if he kills an enemy within 10 feet. So all of that considered, I think he is really tanky, and I'm arguing a plus two. Jeez. I was not ready for that. I predicted a plus one because I know the way you roll, and that caught me off guard. I can't argue this plus two. That is the tankiest warlock I've ever heard, I think. Well, it is two against one today, Garen. That's true, but Dereal can hold his own. Wait, are you Dereal? I'm Dereal. I'm Dereal all day. With his heart in a jar, death saves 15 and up, bring him to one. So he used second wind and indomitable just for fun. With an AC of 19, he'd be hard to hit lying in bed. And with 120 HP, it's a wonder he's dead. So I'm talking about the canopic resurrection. Part of my mummy trait, I got a 10-pound jar that holds my heart. And while I'm within 1,000 feet of it, 
any death save 15 or up is treated as a natural 20. If the heart is destroyed, I lose this ability and it can only be restored with a wish spell, but the heart cannot be targeted unless it's removed from the jar. The heart has an AC of 5 and 28 hit points, and it's immune to all damage except fire damage. I've also got that splint mail with a shield. I'm riding a camel. I mean, I'm also arguing a plus two on this tankiness. Plus two. Thank you, dog. It's time for the ally assist category. And if you've listened to the show before, you know this is when we talk to you directly. I mean, we're always talking to you. You're the only one listening. But this is a message for you. And our New Year's resolutions have all about looking yourself in the mirror and admitting that you can be doing better. We're all at different stages in life, folks, but there's one thing every one of us has in common, and that is that we have not reviewed every podcast we enjoy. I can honestly say I haven't. So our New Year's resolution for you is to get out there and write some reviews. In fact, if you give us a five-star review, we will add your name to a list, and one day, we may pull a name from that list and give them a prize. So if you've already written a review, send us a screenshot of yours to our email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. And if you hadn't, head over to iTunes now. Tell the world that we are okay with you. I won't say what kind of prizes we may have, but I will say we have an extra copy of Xanathar's Guide to Everything just lying around. Wait, are you going to give away that copy of Xannies? We are. That table's going to wobble again, Garen. For our fans, we will wobble. Write those review, folks. Send us an email. Write reviews for your other shows. Thank you for being such a fantastic person that we know you are. And now let me take it into the ally assist category for Dareel. I'm arguing a minus one. Most allies would try and help their friend, but Dareel saw others as a means to the end. He won't have your back and might steal from your purse, but if you had an enemy, he would happily bestow curse. So I'm arguing that he would cast bestow curse on someone that is an enemy to you, and that's how he's helping you. Okay, well, that's a stretch. So what are you arguing here? As I said, a minus one. Oh, okay, yeah, definitely. I- I'm not going to waste much time. Though he seems big and bad, Joel can be a real sweetheart. Ooh. Did he just purr? Like your PC, Joel does not sleep much, just a mere four hours per night, so he can keep watch on his skeleton bros while they sleep. And also, he has something called Zone of Desecration, which is granted to him by his patron. At the 10th level, as a bonus action, his eyes start to glow, and he fills the area around him with negative energy for a minute. Every friendly undead creature within 10 feet of him adds his proficiency bonus to their attack and saving throw rolls, and gain advantage on wisdom saving throws against turn undead which i think is is super solid for when that cleric walks in the room i think those two things combined make him a a solid zero very solid zero okay moving into the balance category basically talking about how balanced joel is for his class i'm arguing a plus one here i know you're perfect to me though he has a strength of 10 dex of 16 con of 14 intelligence of 11 wisdom of 12 and a charisma of 16 He also has an AC of 16, as I mentioned, and 100 hit points. He has a passive perception of 11. He also has a spell save DC of 15 and a plus 7 to ranged spell attack, so very solid there. The reason that I knocked him down a peg was because he does have some flaws. He needs that magic melee item in order to give him any sort of decent chance in a melee attack even though he can use his own arm. Yeah, he does have some flaws, so I think is a plus one. Just shy of a plus two. Hmm, yeah, yeah, I could see a plus one. What about Dereal? Well, he had five proficiencies and 18 strength. Dex and Khan could keep him running at length. His intelligence and wisdom kind of stunk, but his charisma is higher than you would thunk. So I am arguing a plus one. 
I like the little rhyme. I'm not going to ask you to go more into it. If you say it's a plus one, I take it. I think they speak for themselves. Not perfectly balanced. A little low on a couple categories. That's all I'm saying. Well, Garen, I know this week I have a warlock, and this warlock has a patron named Hoar, but I also am a warlock this week, and my patron is Ben Potts, who submitted the smooth operator scenario for this week, and it reads, Happy New Year. Your mind flare has just made a resolution to eat no brains this year, switching to tofu instead. You decide to take him out to a New Year's party to help him test his new resolve. At first, everything seems great. It took a while for your other friends to believe you hadn't been transformed into some kind of thrall and were lying about having a so-called reformed Mind Flayer friend. But eventually they accepted him. It helps to have a great sense of humor and a disarming charm. Unfortunately, a few hours into the party, he's had a few too many drinks and it looks like he's reaching the end of his limited self-control. You can see his eyes starting to twitch a little bit. But he started playing Mario Party with the others, and they don't want to let him go. How do you get him out of there without letting him eat all of the brains or spoil the new friendships he's created? I think, arguably, if he ate all the brains, he would spoil those friendships. He definitely would. They wouldn't forgive him for that anytime soon. So, Garen, how does Dereal control this situation in a smooth manner? Well, I imagine Dereal is playing Mario Party with the rest of the group because he would never turn down a game of Mario Party. So Dereal would let someone play the game on his behalf, then go outside to see to his camel and her calf. The baby would definitely be sick from camel preschool, so he'd bring it inside to clear out the party with a vomit pool. How did he pull this off? He's got animal handling proficiency, he's immune to the disease, so he can get the sick animals, and he's Ah. using his action surge to do all of this very quickly. Because this episode is brought to you by Action Surge. Ladies and gentlemen, you may be familiar with Action Surge as a feature of the fighter class. Once per short or long rest, you get an additional action. Twice at 17th level. Now, most of the time, fighters will use this to attack again, which makes sense, especially when you have multiple attacks, you want to really lay into them. But think about the fact that you could also use disengage, dash, dodge, hide, or the help action. If you have any spells that require a full action, you could cast those, which lends itself very nicely to multi-classing. And finally, what about if you readied an action? I mean, that's the thing. You could attack a creature in front of you, then you ready an action and go hard on someone just coming around the corner. This feature is huge for so many reasons, and that's why it's sponsoring this episode to think a little bit more about how Action Surge can help your game. Getting back to Dereal, how about that plus one? I think it is a plus one because you saved Action Surge for the smooth operator scenario just to make sure that he's getting it done a little bit quicker. I like the creativity, and that pushes you over the edge for that plus one. Okay, thank you, Dan. Man, we've hardly argued each other down at all on this, so i got to gear up a little bit now. What's your smooth operator? Well, Joel would remove those two ribs, and he would start playing a listless little tune that probably would sound a little something like this. He would then begin to sing a quiet, sad little tune in his undercommon rumble. I imagine that this would greatly dampen the mood of the, com- of the party completely. Uh, once Joel's song was over, uh, he would look utterly devastated. Oh, he's practicing now. It's, it's terrible. And then he would turn for the door. If this Mind Flayer was any sort of friend, he'd be there for Joel, and he'd talk it out with him on the ride home. Plus one. Oh, I wanted to argue with you, but that was sweet. That was melancholy. I mean, it was like a Smith song. It was, it was a Smith song in Undercommon. Fantastic. All right, then you can have a plus one in that category. Tell me about your spitting fire. Plus one, Joel would resort to using his roaming hand to terrorize the party goers playing Mario Party. The hand would grab their faces a la Beetlejuice shrimp cocktail, yes. poke party goers in the eye, stick bony fingers in ear holes, 
And meanwhile, the rest of Joel's body would be acting like he is in serious medical peril, <laughs> and he would be screaming without his hand. The sheer terror and chaos that would ensue would likely break this party up pronto. I'm going to argue a plus one. Oh, man. You came, you came correct this week, Dan, and I just don't have it in me to needle you down on any one of these categories. Next week, guys. Next week, I'll do it. I know you only tune into this for the fierce competition between us. I am arguing a plus one as well. Dereal hates to lose more than a couple mini games, so when he fell behind, he'd start calling everyone names. Casting Dust Devil with advantage on intimidation to set the mood as he pretended to summon the Archdevil Waluigi, who's one bad dude. Oh, yeah. You you get whatever you want with Waluigi. Yes. He got that little mini tornado taking place inside the party. That's going to clear it out. All right, moving into our X Factor. This is basically the unscored category, but it says, in simple terms, would you play this character because it's just that cool? Dude, absolutely. Uh, I love the Ghost Knight by Midgar Heroes Handbook. Excellent job, Cobalt Press. Riding in on a camel, got those scare attacks, got that frightful charge. Also, the mummy was a lot of fun. Now, I have Bestow Curse, Dust Devil, and Inflict Wounds, which are all a feat that I took out of the same undead booklet. And that was called Tomb Magic, which is specific to mummies. So that's a racial feat like there are in Xanathar's Guide. And while I don't really care for a dark character, the features of this class are really fun. And I have it in my heart that I want to play a mounted combatant someday. So I like Dereal. How about you? Well, I, I also liked your character this week, and another really fun class out of Midgard Heroes Handbook. Guys, again, if you don't have that book, it's 100% worth $40 for a hardcover. So a couple things I didn't mention in my argument. This supplement included some really cool suggestions for the Them Bones trait. So that was, if you remember, I can rearrange my bones, and it said, you know, you can pick a lock with your other hand, use your arm to hit somebody. Well... It also said you can just kind of talk it out with your DM. You can take your head off and hold it in your hand to look <laughs> around a corner. Or, you know, just anything you can think of. Work with your DM and, you know, see, see what, what's permissible, what's not. Could be a really handy class. Uh, however, the supplement also mentioned some neat, neat flaws. Like any bones being more than five feet away from the skeleton as a whole can cause the bones to lose their animation. Mm. So you would just be totally donezo unless somebody kicked your head back to where it should be. Also, a neat little note about breaking bones underscoring their value to the skeleton race and how one would go about replacing them. Basically, you can take them off another humanoid and replace them because the skeletons value them that much. Also, healing spells, unless they specify that they have an effect on undead, they're only half as potent, so that's a very cool penalty. And also thanks to this supplement as well as the support from the 2018 Best Overall Supplement from the Labby Awards, Faiths of the Forgotten Realms, this undead PC has quite a bit of depth and some great roleplay opportunities. So yes, I would play this character my first new build of 2019. <laughs> Wait, I thought you couldn't speak common. This is interesting. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, thank you, Joel. Joel, you put a fantastic performance on for today's episode. It pains me. No, it doesn't. Joel, you lost. I beat you five to seven. Dan did a terrible job arguing for you. So, you know, sorry, guys. Maybe next time. Actually, Joel, you're probably never going to be on the show again. But other characters will be. All of 2019, we are back. So thank you guys for joining us. We hope you like the new sound of the show. We've got a lot of fantastic content coming, including some episodes that we've lined up using some very talented authors of the D&D community. Which is a great time to mention if you created some great player content and we haven't seen it yet, 
Drop us a line at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com for consideration. Our 2018 Labby Awards were proof of how passionate we are about showing off your work, so don't skip an opportunity to get a free 30-minute commercial. In the meantime, check out our content on DMs Guild. We recently updated the copper best-selling Wrong Rests with new consequences for every location and even a few new locations. If you downloaded Consequences for Poor PC Resting Choices, head over there now for the new version. I drew a fresh cover. Dan was all about it. Also, no better time than now to join our Patreon as we just uploaded our latest bonus episode, which is an interview with Joel Esplanade himself. And finally, go watch some Gundam Wing, Gurren Lagan, or Pacific Rim and get ready for next week as we are going to be highlighting the Grease Monkeys Handbook by Val Serene and Mogman Dabloon. Max, baby. That's all for this week, Lab Rats. If you like what you heard from us this week, go and review us. There's a Zannies on the line for it. And just remember, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thank you. Now, a couple of notes before we let you depart. Everything that you heard on this show today was the brainchild of just two men, Garen Jones and Daniel Beal. If you'd like to consume more content from these two madmen, head on over to patreon.com forward slash D&D Character Lab. Don't be intimidated. There's stuff there for free, but it's also a great way to support the show. Another great way? Head on over to dmsguild.com and search Garen Jones when you get over there, and what you will unlock is a mediocre dragon's horde of player content that is created by the boys over at the D&D Character Lab, and it's usually only priced for $1. So, no harm, no foul. Hey, speaking of the DMs Guild, we'd love to thank our third-party contributors to the show. A lot of these are independent authors. We want you to get on DMs Guild and support these guys' work because they do great things. If you don't believe us, listen to more of our show. We display them almost every single week. In fact, we probably featured one this week. If you'd like to see more of the content that either Garen or Dan featured on today's episode, head on over to the episode description and the links are down there for you. But hey, maybe you're a content creator yourself of some player options content. We would love to hear from you. Send an email over to dndcharacterlab at gmail.com with the content and we'll be happy to review it. Hey, maybe it'll even end up on the show. Last couple things here. If you're not following us on social media, at DND Character Lab on Twitter and Facebook, that's N is in Nancy, D Character Lab. I'm not sure what you're waiting for because we pump out great memes, the best, most dank memes on the DND internets. Also, subscribe to our show. That way you get the freshest character creations every single Wednesday delivered right to your ears. Thanks again for listening to us this week, Lab Rats. Catch you next week. Peace!